You're listening to the Mountain Wellness Podcast. Mountain Wellness is a health and wellness lifestyle brand empowering mountain athletes for outdoor adventure. What's up, mountain athletes and outdoor adventurers? Welcome to another episode of the Mountain Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Reed, and I'm joined as always, with my co-host and good friend, Mike Maina. What's going on, my brother? Uh, excited to be here, man. California to Montana. California to Montana. In Montana, I'm at the new recovery den. Recording, recording for the first time, dude. Dude, I gotta say, it really feels like, since you've moved to Montana, that they've just embraced you there. I mean... There's so much, so many people around you, and you just, it's just like grown so fast there. Yeah, it's pretty cool, man. I definitely, I know I've embraced Montana. Yeah, totally. Yes. So, and I think, uh, I like to think that people within the community, especially our, our mountain athletes and, and local, you know, like just the local scene, I think they're really connecting with what mountain wellness is all about. And it's cool, man. It's like, I can't tell you how stoked I am to be recording here. I, we just got it. I, it's my second full day here working. So, um, that's awesome. Pretty unreal feeling. And you guys, the listeners could probably hear it. Um, a little bit of reflection or a little bit of a, not reflection, but, uh, just an echo echo in the room. That's because I'm in this the uh, my new I guess you would call it podcast uh, podcast studio slash office slash treatment room for uh, yeah so I had do a the, little bit of everything in here. I had this vision of you walking to the den in a snowstorm where you're like leaning forward because the wind's so heavy and you're just like leaning forward trying to get to the den while the snow's pounding you. I'm just waiting for that day. Oh my gosh. So yeah, let's uh, let's let's give a the listeners sort of the back story on um on that one as far as how amazing it is uh my house is within walking distance of the new mountain wellness location. Pretty crazy. So I uh for those of you tuning in maybe for your first time that haven't listened to previous episodes, uh I am a totally blind individual, um, and that happened from a car accident back uh, in my early 20s, uh, also a right leg amputee. But one of the, the, the most devastating uh, parts of that, as far as like my independence goes, was not having the ability to drive anymore. And uh, my accident was back in 2005, and that was even before Uber and Lyft came out. So when Uber and Lyft came out and Rideshare, that was like a huge blessing that I was able to get some independence back. But as uh, the years went on and uh, I had more responsibilities and started going more and more places, especially here in Montana, the cost of Uber and Lyft has just been you know, insane because you think my wife also is, is blind as well. We have two boys and so we're just, you know, we're aside from being blind, we're a normal family doing, you know, day-to-day stuff. So 
you know, minimum I'm, I, I was using Uber or Lyft two times a day going to work, you know, to and from work and, you know, round trip, we're talking about 40 bucks. So, and that's just, as I mentioned, that's just going to and from work. That's that's not normal day-to-day family stuff, taking Grady to hockey practice or, you know, dropping him off at his friend's house or going to church or whatever, you know, just all this stuff that we all have to do. So, um, when this location, uh, became available or we we spotted it donnell found it actually if you want to get to know donnell a little bit i think she's on i don't know a few episodes back Mm -hmm. she's our event coordinator for mountain wellness but we found this spot that was literally within i don't know it's like one block from uh my new house so i i can walk to work now i don't have to rely on uber or lyft so not only am I saving money, I'm on my own time. And what was the temperature today on the way to work? <laughs> uh, it was a little brisk, fourteen degrees. <laughs> you walk fast. <laughs> my wife has yeah, this east, east Coast walk where she puts her head down. She walks really fast, and she, she it's really funny when she goes into that that mode because it's like a special walk that they have on the East Coast when it's freezing cold. Totally. I get it, man. It's, it's, it's been interesting because every time I've walked so far, it's been different. Uh, the weather's been different or even, uh, I've noticed walking in the daytime. I don't know if it's just a feeling or what, but man, it, it's at night. It just feels uh, a little bit more difficult, which is funny because I'm walking in the dark all the time. But, um, yeah, when it's like 14 degrees outside and pitch dark and, and, and mind you guys, I live in pretty rural country area. This is, we're at like the base of the Elkhorn mountains. Um, and it's, uh, you know, we're in a subdivision and I think we're on about an acre and a half and we're the smallest property within our subdivision. So it's, uh, you could walk into a bear out, out there. <laughs> Definitely have, uh, <laughs> Dude, we definitely have uh, elk and, and uh, deer. Like deer always are yeah. eating our, our berries off our trees and stuff. But yeah, man. So anyways, it's it's been the last, what? So t- this morning was the third time that I walked completely by myself. And it's getting uh, you know getting easier each time. I got a little lost last night because I'm like, okay, I want to feel. Because when you're blind, you have to sh- like shore stuff just for the, for the listeners and so everything is basically when you travel blind, it's, uh, you're always, um, working off of like 90 degree angles. Like you can't really do like these meandering sort of like, uh, sweeping turns because everything is like, you want to square everything up is a better way to put it. Oh, right. So anyways, I, uh, was in the parking lot out in front of my space and there's other businesses. So in the middle of the day, the last thing you want to be doing is, is, you know, kind of caning your way around, feeling it and and getting to know the space. So last night when I left, I was like, Oh, cool. Everybody's gone from which by the way, this is so rad. I, I haven't told the listeners, but the space next to mountain wellness is Montana city fitness, which is a full on gym. I mean, they got everything over there. So pretty cool little side note that um this whole entire building is really i mean honestly 
serving a mountain athlete from fitness to the whole health and wellness aspect. Anyways, that was a total side note. So I take off out the front door and I'm like, oh, this is a perfect time to kind of get to know the parking lot and kind of, you know, feel my way around that way in the future. If I do get turned around, like when Ah. you're blind, the more you feel like you're, you're instead of visually downloading the picture and remembering things, blind people, we have to feel it. We have to like feel that object. So the more we feel, the more, more of the picture we can paint. So are you like mapping it out almost like you said in angles, like you're mapping squares, like, you know, the shape yep. of the parking lot, you're kind of mapping it out in a way or every, yeah. When you're blind, every route is like basically point A to point B. And then you want to, that route you create, it, um, like every turn has to be like a, a, a 90 degree or not like, Basically, you, you, you never want to sort of like, if you're going to, here's a better way to put it. So walking down the street, you wouldn't want to walk in the middle of the street, right? Because right. you're kind of floating around. So as a blind individual, and this is for a cane user, not a guide dog, you want to shore one side and shoring meaning like you get your cane on the curb, or in my case, I live on a, you know, out in the country. So it's, we don't have curbs so it's just like pavement and then there's like gravel dirt. So I just make sure I tuck on the left side of the street. And as I'm walking, I'm kind of every time I take a step and sweep to the left, I make sure I hit that dirt and that's where I'm, sh- I'm, I'm shoring that. So I walk about a quarter of a mile, just shoring that left side of the, the gravel. And you have to know distance is, too though, right? Your distance has to be like, you have to have an idea of yeah. when to make that in every totally and every blind individual is different. So for me, I rely heavily on acoustics. So like sound, um, and this is a good example. The route that I'm walking from my house to work right now is, um, it's short, but there's not a lot of tactile sort of, uh, markers. And so instead of relying on my cane hitting, uh, a curb or basically like something I'm like, Oh, here's my point where I turn. Cause I know when I hit this little divot in the road or the speed bump or the curb or the gravel, I, this is where I hook my right. Well, I can't do that cause there's no good landmarkers. So it's interesting when you come up to the driveway at my space, I can actually hear the, the building opens up to Jackson Creek road and you can hear the cross traffic. Dang, so dang. now I know wow. when I, yep. Your I get to a certain point, I'm like traffic. Yep. Oh my gosh. Yep. That's amazing. Okay. So it's, uh, and, and same goes for home. Like I know when I get to the certain point to make a left on my, my house, like, um, the street opens up and you can hear the, the interstate, like the, the flow traffic on the interstate. And so I'm you're like, hypersensitive oh, okay. to like spatial, yeah. like distance and that's that's yeah i didn't think of those kind of that spatial accuracy that's crazy but then i was gonna say if it snows the snow deadens all the sound and then you lose your uh your foot like where okay concrete to gravel to grass yep so the snow is going to be it's almost like a completely different route so even though i'm walking the same distance the same essentially the same route you throw snow on it. Now all of my tactile senses on my feet and on what I'm feeling with my cane are different. So it's going to be, yeah, that'll, that's kind of what I thought of when you were talking about, you know, Catherine on the East coast and that East coast walk head down hood over, like let's charge it, get out of the you know, cold weather. And 
Um, yeah, I think there's going to definitely be some some sub zero days with blizzard and the wind blowing. And you got to bring um, your camera for me out there, man. <laughs> <laughs> and besides, talking about cars, you're talking about you you know drive. There were two times when I was with you where we got you in a vehicle. <laughs> And if you remember, the first time was in Arizona. Oh my gosh, dude! <laughs> we were in Arizona, and I was still in, I still getting to know you. Like I didn't know all your personality, like how you are yeah. on vehicles and on motorcycles. Like you have a background <laughs> in, in like riding and stuff, so you you've understood. Yeah, I kind of like to haul ass. It doesn't matter if it's on a board or moto or so <laughs> car, we'll, truck. Like, and we yeah. had rented this minivan to get all of us to. Uh, what was it, Arizona for the uh, CrossFit uh, competition? Yeah, yeah, it was the exactly. And uh, what I forget what day it was, but we were. What were we doing when we decided to to, get, to put you in the van? So we were. were like, yeah. So for the listeners or context, I competed in CrossFit for a number of years, and the very first competition that I did, um, I didn't know what I was getting into which was, that's a, that's a whole other story and a uh, pretty funny part of that experience that I just, I had no clue what I was getting into. Anyways, uh, Kenny Kane, who I spoke to yesterday, he's actually going to be coming on the show. Oh. He's coach of mine, mentor, good friend, Kenny's Mike amazing. as well. He's a legend. Yeah, just an amazing dude. And so this was right after um, I had just finished up my snowboard um, basically competing in, in para snowboarding as an adaptive athlete. And it's interesting because we, we were talking about doing the walking that route and all the, the senses and how you develop the tactile senses and the sound. I did the same thing on a snowboard. Mm, um, right. That's exactly how I did it on a snowboard, just on a, you know, a little bit more of an extreme level. But, um, so I just got done with, uh, competing or, you know, my sort of snowboard career was done and, and Blair, my coach at the time, my personal trainer was like, Hey, what do you think about competing at CrossFit? <laughs> and I was like, sure, that sounds fine. Like, let's do it. And, uh, so he's like, all right, I'm going to introduce you to this guy, Kenny Kane down in, at, at CrossFit Los Angeles and Kenny's gym. Andy owned it at the time. I think what, like they were like the third CrossFit affiliate ever to to open, which is pretty amazing in its itself. Um, you still there? Did I lose you? Oh no, I'm listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, okay. <laughs> I, I was thinking about the gym actually. What, what it was like first when we were first walking in there. That whole experience because I just thought it was a regular gym. Like people just go in and work out. I didn't realize they worked out like bananas, man. Like they just totally. Oh, dude. Like- <laughs> you guys want to see a super cringy video? Go back to uh, I have a YouTube page uh, called Ride with Core. I think there's a. I don't even remember which one it's called, but it's like. Uh, do you remember the title name of that first video uh, of us meeting Kenny? I'll have to find it. <laughs> Dude, it's so cringy. There was one part I was like, yeah, I, w- I walked into the CrossFit gym. Everybody's rolling out. I grabbed a... <laughs> That's funny. Anyways, dude. But yeah, that was that was years ago. And But yeah, we roll into the, this CrossFit gym and, uh, and I don't even... It's interesting because it's like... It, I don't even like saying CrossFit because Kenny and Andy were... Ah oh, man, that you talk about a special place. Um, just every individual that was training there, um, 
just a special place. I mean, it's just special people, special place. I, I can't say any, it's hard to put it into words, but so I roll up and, and meet Kenny for the first time. And Kenny's like, so, uh, so you want to compete in CrossFit? I'm like, uh, yeah, I guess. And he's like, all right. And he kind of, do you remember that table out front yeah. at CrossFit Los Angeles? Yeah. 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 He that sat me down table. and was like, Shirley and, uh, Zach, Gorin, Kenny, um, Logan. There's a couple other people Those there. They're all hardcore like, too. <laughs> yeah. He like pressed me. He's like, all right, if you want to do this, like there's going to be no like half ass in this. Like, I'm not going to treat you like a, an adaptive athlete. It's like, I don't care if you're blind. I don't care if you're an amputee. Like if you're going to train with us, you're an athlete and you're going to, you know, you're going to go as hard as everybody else. And you're going to put in as much as everybody else does. And I remember I was like, sitting there, I was like, dang, these guys are, this is pretty hardcore. This cross. This cross <laughs> no, I, know. I was looking around going, I don't know, man, this is a lot. <laughs> so, um, the basically what we decided to do uh this was back in 2012 actually it might even have been 2011 because we competed in um in october regardless it doesn't matter but early crossfit years adaptive the adaptive crossfit scene was pretty much non-existent i mean there was definitely adaptive athletes training in gyms kind of throughout the country but there was no sort of organized adaptive scene and yeah. Uh, we decided to basically like I was going to enter a, an, a, a full on sanctioned CrossFit uh, event against able and compete against able body athletes. And we were going to do it on a team with uh, uh, CrossFit Los Angeles. And so I did it with I trained what for like three months. And Mike, you documented pretty much everything. That was a uh, crazy three months for you, man. I watched <laughs> you put on so much muscle and you just like. I mean, they just ground you and they grinded you into the ground. I mean, I know they were shaping you, but it was like, it was intense. That was yeah. the most intense thing I've ever seen of a, of a reshaping of a person, like physically. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I know we're definitely geared towards mountain sports and, and stuff, but being, a, you know, with us talking about doing a lot of topics on health and wellness and, and performance based stuff, like, that was the beginning mm-hmm. of, for me, of, uh, I guess my journey, um, and, and really transforming myself physically. Cause I grew up as an athlete. Like I grew up, uh, you know, playing traditional sports all through high school, baseball, water polo, but my heart was always in mountain sports or surfing and just being in the outdoors doing extreme action sports. Um, so my, uh, up until that point, there was no, uh, like the only sort of training that I knew was conditioning for baseball. And we didn't, you know, we didn't learn how to do any sort of compound barbell lifting, Olympic lifting, power lifting, functional circuit training, hit training, like all these things that we know now, you know, research tells us this is definitely the most potent, uh, uh, potent exercise, uh, for optimizing, you know, body composition, lean body mass, uh, overall, honestly, just overall health and longevity, um, circuit high intensity circuit training is, uh, by far the most, um, potent way of exercising. And you add a, a barbell to a circuit style hit training. Um, yeah. And like you said, Mike, my, I completely transformed. 
Yeah. The barbell is amazing. Just, yeah. yeah, it's, and, and barbell, kettlebell, but basically just any incorporating any sort of load and, and having a, a solid strength program on top of your, you know, circuit training. Um, and, and I've, you know, evolved. I've, I've taken a lot from CrossFit that I love and that I learned and, and, but I've left some, you know, stuff that I don't like. And, you know, that's a, that's a topic for a completely different episode, but bottom line, you know, I mentioned to you guys earlier that I was in a car accident at 23 years old. Well, I, you know, lost my leg. I was in a, in the hospital for two months, which was a very short amount of time for the injuries that I sustained. Um, and it, it was a miracle that I even made it through it, but I was wiped out. I'm talking like, you know, uh, probably a hundred pounds. I had to be lifted in and out of, um, out of my bed into a wheelchair. I didn't have a prosthetic, uh, yet. So, uh, you know, I was, I was basically dependent on a wheelchair and dependent on other people to, to transfer me from bed to the bath, to the, you know, the table to eat. I mean, I was so completely wiped out. So to go from that to competing two years later in a CrossFit competition against able body athletes, that was a huge That's a testament. long ways, yeah. But I, I right. often wonder if that if those injuries and, and those things that you sustained, because, you know, we I covered it, I had to cover it really well because I had to document yeah. it. If I would have thought or treated you differently knowing you now because knowing you then there's a i think knowing everything you went through again i, I think it comes down to the, some of the risks that we take like i don't know yeah. if i would feel comfortable like necessarily taking some of the chances we've taken you know what i'm saying yeah. there's yeah. that knowing there how you were and i'm like oh man i uh, we're taking some chances here and, and I, I wonder if i would have the same because I remember you talked about it too. It's like I, you didn't want to be treated any differently. You always tried. You didn't want to be treated differently, man. Yeah, and there's like we talked, you know, the previous episode about the evolution of risk, and um, that played a huge part in me as coming from a, a fully functional, able body athlete, and a good one for that matter. Like, yeah, you know, I definitely wasn't, uh, you know, a, a, a professional athlete, mountain athlete, or wasn't trying to seek any sort of like sponsorship, but I was, I was definitely snowboarding at a pretty, you know, uh, good level. Like I, I was confident. I, I was pretty, pretty good at riding. And, uh, so to have that ripped away from you and I'm just using snowboarding as one example of a sport that was, you know, taken from me that, um, yeah, it was, it's definitely hard. So, so to transition from going, you know, going blind, losing my leg, having to identify with a new, you know, my self in a new way, as far as my athletic abilities and how I do things. Um, I think in the beginning, I definitely took risks that I wouldn't take now, but I feel like it's was absolutely necessary because I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have known what I was capable of. And I'll give you two examples. One was, the orb. Mm-hmm. I remember. You know, yeah. Do you remember that? Yep. So 
and that this is this is uh deep in the archives on the ride with core youtube channel as well but there's a a video and i think it's i think it is called the orb but if you guys google the orb kenny kane Corey reed something like that it should pop up because it's on kenny's page too but this was a moment where uh and, and uh we'll get back to that 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 drive the moment in the parking lot in Phoenix. We'll, we'll, we'll get back. Circle we'll, back we'll, around. You driving that We'll go man. back around. We'll come full circle. But anyways, this was uh, probably a month out from the competition in Phoenix. It's getting to the point where it's real. It's um, this wasn't, and I'll be honest with you. I was training with the, the U S national Paris snowboard team. Um, and that was definitely a high level um, professional athletes, they take their training serious, but stepping foot in Kenny's gym and going into competitive fitness. And that, that was like, man, and you talk about just stepping into a gym of like alpha, like, like guys and girls, man, they were just like savage. Remember Shirley? <laughs> like, I didn't even know yeah, what kettlebells were when I walked in there. And I was like, do you guys chew yeah. on these to sharpen your teeth? I mean, what do you guys, you guys are so intense, Me either. man. They were just so intense. Yep. They were relaxed, I loved but the, they were just super I love the culture of CrossFit, like yeah. where it was, that's why I identified with it because it was, you know, everybody was wearing board shorts and Converse chucks. Like it wasn't the douchey 24 hour fitness gym, you know, with the, the dudes all roided out walking around oh, no. Not like with that. bleached tips and shake you know shaker bottles i probably just dated myself with bleach tips but you grew up in the the 90s but that's the image i think of when i you know i think of the gym and and the the crossfit sort of culture was i I, it was very much like the action sports culture i grew up with but um but yeah so the the orb you know we're a month out from this competition and and it's getting real like uh i'm exhausted because i'm going through this just huge transformation physically getting, you know, my aerobic capacity to a point it's never been at. Your hands um, were bleeding. You had like, just gnarly, oh, it was, they were sanding yeah, your like, hands down with like a Dremel or something. They were talking about sand. That's <laughs> right. There's totally, they had a freaking Dremel. Like, Dude's hands are falling apart, man. Oh, it was, it, yeah. What I put my body through. So I was just pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. I, I probably stacked, and this is no exaggeration, you guys. Like, I probably stacked 20 pounds of lean body mass. Like, I'm already a lean dude. I, I'm just naturally lean. And I'm one of those dudes that, like, if I stop working out, I don't get fat. Like, I start getting skinny everywhere but my, like, I'll get a little belly and that's it. But it's like, so anyways, I probably put on a solid you know, 20 pounds of, of muscle, 15 to 20 in like this three month period. And I saw it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just exhausted. So I show up one day and we're getting down. It might even have been, uh, it was probably about a month out. And, and so now Kenny's pressing hard. He's like, you know, training's getting intense. I'm training two times a day, most days, uh, morning workout, evening. And Kenny gets me on the concept two rower, and anybody that's been on Concept Two Rower, they know how brutal those things can be, and they always sneak up on you. You get uh, on it. And it's like, oh, are, this isn't that bad. <laughs> no, rowers are exactly that way. Yep. Yeah, but you tell someone to do a 500 meter, you know, sprint f- for their best time, um, 
it'll wreck you. And that's exactly what he did. He's like, okay, we're going to do a Tabata say, we're going to do three, three, 500 meter sprints with like, I don't know, a minute or a minute and a half of rest in between each one. And, uh, dude broke me like (laughs) just absolutely broke me. And I sprinted the first one. I had a pretty decent time. I don't know. It was like, I don't know, one, one forty-five or something like that. And, uh, and then, you know, I get my men rest and he immediately like three, two, one, go. And I get like halfway through that second one. And I just, were you there? I don't know if you were there that day. Cause I think, I think no, Brian Yamamura I was, was bummed. filming. Brian Yamamura was there. Yeah. Dude. Yep. Cause he had that IMAX. Remember that little like IMAX digital recorder that he pulled out? Oh, that's that's right. how he, he captured that. He worked for that. IMAX. That's right. Yep. I, mean, he had some, I, was thinking, I was so grateful he had that. Yeah. So Brian's over in the corner. Brian's is a, a real good friend of ours too. And, and, uh, so I've never felt this and I hope I never do in my life again, but, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't go anymore. Like I physically was like, I reached my capacity and I could pull, I just, I broke down and, uh, broke down physically, but it was interesting because I, I, I sort of collapsed. I let the handle go and, and I had this moment, um, that was undescribable. It was just an emotional sort of like, uh, release and I lost it, man. I was just like, um, it was just one of the most emotional moments. And now reflecting back and over the years and Kenny and I, that was a, it was a powerful moment. You know, Kenny really stepped up as a coach and, um, it was a special moment for me that I'll never forget. Uh, but basically, you know, for it was it was me finding myself as an athlete again uh wow. and realizing that yeah i'm blind and i'm an amputee and i have these challenges um i can still go hard like i can still throw down with you know the best and i can probably do things that i didn't think i was going to be able to do so it was just this moment of like this overwhelming emotion because i was like stoked but i was also it was a real moment because it, it was reality that, yeah, you're an adaptive athlete. This is, this is who you are and this is how you're going to, you know, this is the way it's going to be. But like I said, on the flip side, it was like, I was still thrown down with some badass individuals and it was, uh, it was, it was a good feeling. Yeah. There, there was that, it was what it looked like to me in a, in a, in a way. It was just like, a, like you said, you're, it's a rebuilding process and, and you're in the middle of it yep. fi- trying to figure out like, what am I really capable of? And you're being shown all these different things with Mark Devine and Seal Fit with, with the trips to air, the CrossFit competition. You're just learning about how far you can go and you're realizing, you know, hey, I, I, I lost a couple of things, but look at what you're gaining. Yep. And, and look at now. I mean, right now you're sitting in a new mountain wellness den. I mean, which is, again, it's, it's, it's all a result of all the building over these years that rebuilding process, it's still going on. And that, that, that for me is like the most exciting part of watching all of this. I mean, besides the fact that you're my friend, I, I forget about that. Just watching all of this unfold is just incredible. Yeah. And it's been, um, I mean, going back to the risk, you know, about, I think it was necessary to take those risks. It's part of the journey. And I, as we grow, um, I definitely assess my risk different now. Sure. Um, 
but maybe I'm taking risk in a different way. I know like I'm taking risk in business, mm-hmm. um, right now, you know, this was the, the biggest investment, the biggest personal investment, the biggest risk I've ever sort you know, taken. It's the most I've ever put myself out there, scaling up and, and building out this new location. And, but yeah, dude, going back to the, that moment of stepping in, stepping foot at into CrossFit Los Angeles and meeting Kenny for the first time. And, um, that was the beginning of a new sort of, you know, that was a new journey, a new process into learning myself, um, as far as the health and wellness goes. Yeah. That whole journey was taking place at the same time too. Yeah. So we end up, I finished out training and we head to Phoenix, Arizona and it was at the Phoenix convention center. They have this giant CrossFit competition. You know, what's funny about that too. Years later is I didn't know any, cause Mike, you, you know, anybody that uh, it has been in the CrossFit community, they know it's like, there's sort of these CrossFit celebrities or CrossFit athletes that are well known in the community, oh, yeah. that, but anybody that's not in the community would never know who they are. Well, I show up to this competition and it's like all these, now I know, but there's like all these big name athletes that are, (laughs) that we're going up against. And, uh, it it was pretty amazing. I ended up, you know, I competed with, with CrossFit Los Angeles and Shirley and and Zach and, and Nikki. And, uh, we did the dang thing and, and broke a, I guess would be a world record. I was the first adaptive athlete to compete in a, a sanctioned CrossFit able body competition. And, um, so that's what we were out there for. And when, when it was all said and done coming full circle about the, <laughs> the dry, the van was Mike had this, I like, he's like, yeah, we need some B roll. We need some like B roll for the, the documentary. Yeah, we wanted an ending. And I was like, how yeah. about an ending for putting you in the van and you hit the gas for a little just just go like twenty feet or whatever? And I didn't we didn't really define it really well. I was like, just you know, just roll a little bit and I'll capture you. Yeah, totally. If I got no idea that I just get like put me in a car. Be a little different now. It's like I just wanted to burn out. I wanted to drift. I wanted to just so we See, I didn't know that giant- about you then either. I was just like, Yeah, just go like just roll twenty feet, get some B roll, we're good. Uh, that's what I was thinking. We didn't really talk about it. We didn't define it. I was like leaning in the window. Yeah, just do this. I'll get it from the camera from the back. And all of a sudden, oh, there goes my, my dog. <laughs> little like, corgi. Oh, little corgi's like, we got 50 mile an hour he, winds here. I thought, he, I thought he was getting excited about the story. <laughs> <laughs> totally. And I just oh, remember. Yeah, dude. Oh, dude. You put me in the van in the part. This well, what I thought was a giant parking lot because I'm thinking we're at the this convention center, so I'm thinking it's like hundreds and hundreds of parking spaces and it's like wide open. No, we. Uh, yeah, you're like, I is there anything were- in front of me? I'm like, not really, <laughs> <laughs> not really that far. I mean, it's pretty far away. <laughs> so we left every. It was like Kayla, Cam. Uh, I don't even know. There was Blair was in the car, or a couple people. Zach, Zach was in the f- passenger seat. Yeah. <laughs> so I get in the driver's seat, and I'm like, "You ready?" She's like, "Yeah, I'm ready." I'm like, "All right, you ready?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm ready." So I start power braking. I got left foot on the brake, and then just like slam the gas down with my right foot. 
<laughs> try to get the, this <laughs> try to get the van to start burning out <laughs> and then i just let off the brake and start laying some rubber down and I, someone screamed i don't remember who oh it no was. i screamed i was like stop <laughs> dude i was i started chasing you because i was like oh my gosh there's there's a wall like and I guess that wall was far away, but at the speed, when you hit the gas like that, I was like, oh man, it's like really close. Like now all of a sudden everything changed and I was like, <laughs> I totally freaked out. I'm like, stop. And you're like, yeah, you didn't tell dude. me there was a wall in front of me. I'm like, well, it was far away a minute ago. <laughs> okay. I think I, it's all coming back to me because didn't Kayla get out of the van and like remove herself? I think somebody did. When it was yeah, all it said and done, yeah, she, she was like, like I doing this. Yeah. I know you guys. <laughs> I saw where that was she going. She knew you. <laughs> Oh yeah, and I think Zach. Well, even, I had like, grabbed the street. Well, he tried to do something. I don't know what he did, but yeah, he just, yeah, he grabbed. I think he did. He's like, stop! Yeah, everybody. I was like, what? But uh, yeah, that was our that was our Phoenix the got, ending to the Phoenix trip. Yeah, and then I learned about Corey. I'm like, okay, so if we put him in the vehicle, man, he's just gonna hit the gas down to the biscuits. <laughs> all next time, I'll make sure there's plenty of space. Oh, dude, I have a good story. All right, so we were. We were up in Grand Mesa, Colorado, Brian and Mindy's cabin. And um, <laughs> so we were up there doing some backcountry snowmobiling. And Brian had just gotten, this was a few years back, but what was it? Uh, it was a 750cc two-stroke direct inject so fuel injected 750 cc so i i've ridden but before i went blind i'd been on street bike sport bikes and stuff like that so i know what it's like to you know have a 750 cc's like in between your legs like it's just insanity the amount of horsepower on such a little machine Mm. uh so we go up to grand mesa colorado and brian's all excited he's like yeah i got a new sled this this badass new skidoo and he's all hyped about it. And, uh, so we get up there the first day and it was, it was actually for a fundraiser. Um, we were, I, I think I, I mentioned this on previous episodes, but Brian and Mindy have a, a nonprofit organization and they put on action sports camps for blind individuals. And, uh, one of the ways they raise funds is they, they basically do like a bed and breakfast. So they'll fly in, you know, the, you know, higher profile people, donors to their cabin in Grand Mesa, and then they'll take them out snowmobiling in the backcountry, and they'll spend a few days. It's pretty cool. And the donors will leave a check under, you know, on the nightstand when they leave. And uh, so it's, it's cool, cool deal. So, anyways, this guy Gary, uh, who's a, a dentist, um, shows up, and we get we get ready in the morning. You know, we're like getting all suited up to go out and Brian and I were still like new friends. So he, he knew like we, Brian and I connected cause we're definitely both like type A like to live right on, like, like to push it yeah. makes us feel alive. So, totally. you know, hauling ass like moto snowboarding, like all those extreme sports, we definitely connected and, but he does. He still like he, he knew how I was, so he wouldn't. He wouldn't take me anymore on the like. He wouldn't let me drive with him on the back. <laughs> <laughs> and that's pretty shocking because he's pretty like he's like right. I said, he's on the edge. 
Because I scared the crap out of him a few times. Like, first time I got him on a snowmobile, I almost pitched him off because I, I did the same. I was like, are you ready? He's like, yeah, I'm good. I'm like, you ready? He's like, yeah. And uh, I grabbed a handful of throttle and pitched the thing sideways. And he was holding on with this, you know, every bit of his being, trying not to be pitched off the back. And I went down this, like, snow embankment and was, like, drifting and come up. And I'm like, you all right? And I think he almost, like, peed on me. Yeah, I didn't say anything scared for the like crap out of him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that's like brian already has a little you know he knows how i am so he goes hey core do you uh what do you think about getting out on the the lake the frozen lake and it riding that new <laughs> that new sled of mine and i was like heck yeah let's do this i'm i'm down you gonna you gonna ride you gonna ride on the back and he starts laughing he's like nah i think <laughs> i think gary Gary really wants to, you know, he's, he's, he wants to help out. Yeah. So he knows he knew it was going to go down. <laughs> well, yeah, he set it up because you got all these donors that are flying in to donate to, you know, this blind, this basically to the blind camp. So they are like, Oh, I want to help out the blind people. He's like, Oh, you're all, all, you could help out the blind people. I'll, I'll show you. So we get out of this dry lake bed and Gary's like, yeah, totally. I'll do it. So I'm already grinning like, yeah, this is going to be badass. <laughs> So I get, I get on this, on the snowmobile and the way I do it is I'll put an individual on the back and then they'll put my, their arms underneath, like around me. But instead of grabbing the handlebars, I'll have them grab the crossbar so they can basically still guide steer it. But I have Ah, full control of the, 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 the handlebars. So I can basically do what I want. I can control the throttle. I can turn it. And they just keep me away from sure. big obstacles and trees. But we're on this giant lake that's probably a mile long. Yeah, so it's wide um, open. Maybe, yeah, maybe longer, half a mile wide, quarter mile wide. And, uh, you know, same thing. I'm like, Gary, you ready? <laughs> and he's like, yeah. And I'm like, no, hold on, Gary. And he's like, huh? I'm like, hold on. I'm like, tighten up. And he's like, so he tightens up. And I'm like, I grabbed a handful. I just grabbed the halt full throttle like i just laid it down and uh so the two front skis come right off the ground and the thing just like (laughs) perches up and i carry i don't know what it's called on a a snowmobile because i'm i didn't grow up riding snowmobiles but uh you know moat riding moto they'd be pulling wheel doing a wheelie but so uh since we don't know the term i pulled skis or pulled wheel all the way across that lake bed and uh Gary said that we hit over a hundred miles an hour at one point (laughs) and he, uh, Brian has it on film somewhere. Oh, and so we get off. I, I stopped the, the the snowmobile and like kind of bring it back around. And it was a bittersweet moment for me because actually it was sort of like the orb. I got pretty emotional because it was like, I got a taste of what I was missing and what I used to do, Dang. but I wanted to just be able to free ride again and you know, just take off and, and ride. But Brian's like, he's cracking up and he's like, Hey Gary, Gary, I, you all right? <laughs> <laughs> I guess he was just like pale white and just could not, you know, it was completely, I scared the crap out of him. He didn't know what the heck just happened. I don't think he'd ever been that fast on a snowmobile before. So oh, letting a blind, a blind dude, uh, take him across the, 
frozen lake bed at an hour. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Because it's one thing to go that fast, but knowing that you can't see what's in front of you necessarily, yeah, that had to totally freak him out. Like, oh, it was so badass. It was, yeah. It but was, see, I know you now. Now I know. I learned it early on that you know machinery, and and I didn't know that. And so you you do you know it doesn't I know you can't see but you know machinery so if there's nothing in front of you it's not a problem then yeah it's um dude it's physics like right uh, in mountain sports you know we use tools like mountain bikes um, snowboards yeah to basically get down the mountain faster and do it in in a a stylistic way. Um, but it's a tool and it, and it's, it, 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 all it is, is physics. So I, yeah, it, it really doesn't matter if you're on a snowboard, if you're on a mountain bike, if you're on a four wheeler, you're on moto, it's just, it, it's all the laws of physics and, um, yeah, but we should do a, I think we should even do it another podcast on this side of it, because I believe that there's a disposition or predisposition or genetics that have it to be able to use machinery and use physics to your advantage that is a natural gift that because i don't have that and i know yeah i know a lot of people don't have that or maybe they do and they haven't developed it but i think it comes natural to other people well i think i've thought a lot about this because i i'm I'm a mountain athlete i grew up i still do action sports but um i have a, a deep appreciation for being in the elements and like the most raw form. So, you know, um, a snowboard, the fact that you can take a snowboard and hit speeds, you know, like border cross, dude, they're hitting speeds of like 90 miles an hour. You know, some of these pro athletes or even like the downhill, you know, downhill skiing, we've all seen slalom on and watch the Olympics and, to think that you know you you, you take a, a a piece of equipment that's so it's so minimal um and you can um do those those types of things on it is pretty incredible but what i'm getting at is it's a it's a like i think you're right if you're an athlete um there's that ability to to feel and to to get in that flow state and so i feel like if you're driving a car if or riding a dirt bike like the the, it's you're still using your sensory like you still need to know where you're where you are at in space because that's really like the definition of being athletic or athleticism is basically knowing where your body is in space at all times and having like the ultimate con- control of that and um for those for those of you that are really like interested in in flow state there's i've mentioned it in a previous podcast but uh um there's a book called the rise of Superman. And it talks about like all the different neuroreceptors and, and, and hormones and stuff that are, have to be simultaneously happening at, at once for, for you to get in this flow state. So it was like, they did this, all this research on like what it really means to be in a flow, like quantify that. But I, if you're on a dirt bike, if you're in a car, if you're on a snowboard, like, you're still feeling and you're still identifying your line and you're scanning ahead and you're like, 
there's still a style, like even in, in driving or moto, right? There's every individual, every rider you look at has a certain style. Like there's, yeah. And I think and, for, and that, oh, yep. I think for listeners, like if, because most of us drive cars, I think in a way to relate, you know, let's say we go 70 miles an hour, 80 miles an hour, we're driving yeah. to, but then you double that speed to, let's say, 160 miles an hour or 200 miles an hour. Yeah. The window for decision making like shrinks like to that nanosecond yep. of like a blink of an eye almost. I would imagine in some of these sports that the decision making at that speed has to just be. I don't know if it's if it's uh, subconsciously or if it's a blink of an eye speed. I don't know, but that's it, exactly what the so that book is in that research uh, Stephen Kotler did and his team with the uh, I believe it was called like the Flow Flow Geno Project. Um, that the reason that they really gravitated towards action sports adventure athletes was because out of all athletes action sports athletes, adventure athletes uh, have the ability to, to reach a flow state faster than any other athlete. And they say the reason that is, or the hypothesis is that it's because the ultimate risk with action sports is death. Right. Like if you're gonna charge down, you know, ride in the backcountry, drop in on from a helicopter and and ride uncharted terrain on a snowboard or skis like the you don't have time while you're riding to think about the risk. Like you have to just like boom, like you're in the moment and you're completely in a flow state um because you can't think about it. Or if you're in competition like these guys in the X games um or you know, on the do tour, you, you look at them riding half pipe or the freestyle course, the, like the risk that they're taking with the, the air that they're getting, the, the acrobatics, the maneuvers, like if you, if you fall, you're talking about like, you know, oh, man. some serious, serious risk and death being, you know, a, a, a possibility or at least, you know, uh, being paralyzed or, so anyways, that it was interesting. Like that book really talks about the adventure athletes, action sports athletes specifically just have the ability to go in this flow state. And yeah, it's like what you're saying. It's well operating it's not, in a, in a op, for yep. me thinking of those kind of athletes and even watching my son play football, they had this thing about when the ball snapped. I mean, it was just, it was just chaos. And yet he, they knew how to, yeah. they knew where the ball was. They knew what was happening. I'm like, but th it's the compression of time to when you, like you said, you don't have time to think. There's everything is happening so fast, and they're able to operate in that compressed time zone, and that always yeah. fascinated me. Yeah, and it's uh, the more exposure you have. I mean, it's it's it goes back to even everything that we um, everything we do to become healthier. And perform better is introducing the body to, to, to stressors and then adapting mm. to those stressors. Right. Um, so as a an action sports mountain athlete, the more you put yourself in the element um, and the more risk you start taking, the more comfortable you become in that environment. So it's like it, it, it's and we could even compare it to, say, like uh, special operations training, like operators, like 
you take a, a an infantry soldier, uh, say like a, a Marine that, you know, signs up, he goes through, uh, I don't know, I, what is it, like six weeks or eight weeks, a, a standard boot camp. I, don't, I wasn't in the military, but I think it's like six to eight weeks. And, hmm. um, and a lot of these guys, you know, I, I was, I graduated in 2001. So I had a lot of friends, quite a few friends that signed up, went into the military and, and, and soon after that, the towers or the planes hit the towers, nine 11. And, you know, they were being shipped off to war, you know, basically like heading to war. And that's, yeah. wasn't really their intentions of signing up. Uh, but oh, man. It, the point I'm trying to make is like, you have a an infantry soldier that that does six six weeks eight weeks of basic boot camp training and then all of a sudden they're they're over in a combat zone. The stress inoculation um, and the preparation like it, it's it's very minimal compared to say like someone who's an, a, a guy that's in special operations like a Navy SEAL that has gone through well over a year of their basic training just to get them to, you know, basic operational, like just to do basic operations or, or get into a platoon or whatever, a team, and they're not even deploying it. That, that extra time and all that extra training and repetition and being exposed to these stressors, like the body becomes more and more resilient to those stressors. So by the time they're actually in a combat zone, uh, their ability to to uh, combat their own stress is a lot. Uh, they're a lot better at it. Their nervous system is a lot better because they've just been exposed versus say someone that's been through basic training and all of a sudden they're in the same you know combat zone. So it's a uh, it's interesting. I think there's a c- crossover with mountain mm-hmm. athletes in that respect on a high level. I'm talking like yeah, you know your dudes that are like. There's a something I could never imagine doing because uh, I, I feel like every individual has somewhere where they draw the line. Like I have never been, um, had no interest of jumping out of an airplane or bungee jumping or base jumping. How about into the yeah. ocean at night? <laughs> no. Like there's just something I just have no, nope. even though my favorite movie of all time to this day and growing up was point break. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like, but every time in that scene of point break, you know, where they're, there's, they're actually jumping over Lake Powell. I don't know if you know that it's one of my favorite lakes, but it's just like, it's so intense. I'm like, Oh man, I could totally roll with these guys, but I don't know if I could jump. Which is out funny because I'm not a jumper either. And can you know, we'll rock climb and we'll get out on the edge of stuff. And, and I've been in positions where, okay, this is, it looks scary and all that, but I'm one who will not jump out of a plane. And Catherine's the opposite. She's my wife. She'll, she wants to jump out of a plane, but she won't, she's Isn't totally scared of heights. And I'm like, yeah, how that you be afraid of heights, but you'll jump out of a plane at a heartbeat. <laughs> I know it's so, I, it seems to be the case. Like I'm always surprised, uh, I'll have a friend on Facebook and they're like, post a picture like, I went skydiving yesterday. I'm like, wait, what? I know, right? You you went skydiving? But uh, for me, part of it, it's not the heights. A lot of it's the control aspect, I I think. I like hurling at earth at 100 and whatever miles an hour. I don't know. It's just like, yeah, there's not. But I have to say, though, 
those guys on squirrel suits. That looks pretty badass. Oh, like that looks pretty fun if you could um I'd like to get in one of those wind tunnels. Yeah, just to Have try that, done? just to feel that, yeah. Well, they've got these yeah. these new suits now that these uh jetpacks that are getting absolutely amazing. <laughs> They're flying around. They just, dude, I just saw a video where they rescued, they did a rescue video where this guy in a jet suit flies up the side of a mountain, lands and like treats a lady with a broken leg and, and did it in like, it took 25 minutes on, on foot and he flew up there in like 90 seconds. He just flew right up there, landed like Iron Man. It was crazy to watch. The technology for uh, flying is not that far away. And they use jet jet fuel propulsion. I mean, it was crazy to watch. Yeah, that's insane. Because I know they had. We were at the the beach last summer in California, and one of those they had one of those like uh, water. Yep. Yep. I don't even know what they're called. Water jetpack kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Dude's like flying across the top of the water, and it's being propelled by this jet like water jetpack thing. Unreal. Yeah, um, but one of the things that I wanted to, because we talked about like you said the special operators, and then you talked about mountain athletes operating at that yeah. high level is, you know, we've talked about adrenaline junkies before, and I wonder if they're, because I've heard in both of those genres of whatever you want to call it, their vocational work, there's a, is there there's an addictive, addictive, uh, component to it in that they. They they want to feel that rush of their sport, and even in the military, I know that they have they they don't when they come back yeah. here, it's like life is just not moving fast enough for them. I get that kind of impression I've read, or they need that. There's an addiction or or an adrenaline processed component to it. Yeah, there's a I mean, there's a lot you can unpack with that. There's a lot going on, but. Um, essentially for sure like uh, endorphins are addictive and most uh it seems that a lot of action sports athletes in particular are type a like very adrenaline seeking like to kind of you know push it live mm-hmm. on the edge um and that also seems to be the case with combat athletes mm. and especially in special operations. It's just a certain type of individual uh, that likes to kind of push it and, and take risk because of the, you know, the neurochemical stuff that happens with adrenaline and, and neuropinephrine and, and uh, cortisol. And so that's one part of it. But uh, I think, you know, we could, there's also the, 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 the part of it where it's too much of it. Right. There's a downside to that. Too, too often. Exactly. It can be detrimental. And that, you know, that goes for, that could be, that could be someone that's um, maybe just gets into to fitness, like general fitness, too, a little too hardcore. And they're just working out and going, um, you know, they have a stressful job. They're not getting good sleep. And, and they're also pushing their body in the gym or in their individual sport or whatever. Um, and they're just in a sort of like a state of chronic stress and they're getting these big adrenaline dumps on top of it. Mm. Um, yeah, you can definitely experience some, some fatigue. And I think there's some 
Well, I know there's some downstream effects to that, but I've also come up with sort of my own hypothesis and theory on post-traumatic stress disorder because it's something that I've suffered with from my accident Ah. over the years and and learning more about it Um, and working with, you know, individuals like Kenny Kane and, and Mark Devine and, and a lot of these, you know, people that I look up to and trust in the world of human performance and, and being a massage therapist, like, um, you know, everything, if we look at the nervous system, there's two states, fight or flight or, or, uh, parasympathetic rest, digest and recover. And there's a, a balance of those, um, throughout the day and throughout, you know, just, um, our lifetime that we need to be in constant uh, balance and not the extreme on either one. So it's good to, to have stimulus um, and to have those, you know, exciting moments and get those adrenaline rushes, but it's also important to downregulate the nervous system and to have uh, modalities and tools and tactics like breath work and yoga and um, you know, things that, that are able to put your, your nervous system into a state that's um, not stressful mm-hmm. and it can repair. So my theory on post-traumatic stress in relation to say like, you know, combat veterans, I think about, and, and, and I also have heard Mark talk a lot about, you know, his sort of take on it with his own experience and how he founded seal fit or a big part of like seal fit was, you know, he went on his, and for the listeners, Mark is a retired Navy seal, retired commander spent 20 years in the seal teams. And I had the privilege to, to train with him and be coached by him. And he talked about, um, if he did not have, he had martial arts growing up. So he learned the importance of like, being mindful and having these uh, tools and tactics to downregulate stress. And yoga was one in particular that was really profound for him. So he said on his last combat deployment in Iraq that after every operation they would go out on each day that he would come back and find his quiet place mm. And that quiet place was a combat zone, but he found his place that he could go and do breath work and do yoga because he just spent the last however many hours in a very heightened, you know, adrenaline state, which most, you know, it's, it's survival. You have to, um, you know, being in special operations or any combat for that matter. Um, but his sort of take on it is, and I, I agree with this. Uh, and if you think about any, what a a standard deployment is six months, I think for operators and they have a, like a three month workup or something like that. So they have a workup and then they have a six month deployment. So the, the state in which their nervous system in is in for, you know, a good eight months or whatever, it's pretty like heightened, right? Like they're training, they're, oh, yeah. you know, they're from everything from physical to the mental preparation, knowing they're going to, 
you know, if some of them have families, married kids, like there's a lot going on, right? Like the high level of stress, then they get over into a combat zone and they're going out on, you know, daily ops or night, night operations that is they're in total survival mode. So if you do that for six months, like, wow, can you imagine the, the state in which you're, you know, your whole body just the chronic stress of you know hypertension and you're it's going to elevate your blood pressure it's having it's going to affect your sleep because your cortisol is going to be constantly up i'm trying to think so of that I scenario think, how do you relax yeah. like let's just say yeah you came off of those six months and you went to the beach just hang out like how do you how does your body adjust to such a drastic um transformation coming back into the yep. states even yeah and i think that's that's mark's whole thing is um you know he says that if he didn't have those practices over there gotcha. doing breath work and yoga that he thinks that you know there's a good possibility he probably would have you know been affected in a different way and that's where he decided like hey i'm gonna share i'm gonna share these things with guys that you know, want to go into special operations because if I could, you know, share these tools and tactics and modalities and it can help them be, um, a better warrior to where they can not suffer with the mental health issues when they come back. I think um, that was one of the reasons, if I remember correctly, I'm trying to go from memory, the reasons why yeah. he left the Navy's one of the positions there is because he wanted to do what you're saying, which is give those yeah. tools to the, but the Navy wasn't interested in that. They just wanted warriors and they didn't, they didn't want, they didn't care about the other side of it. And so he's like, you know what, I'm done here. And I, and, uh, I can't imagine, cause you know, we always think of what every movie you ever see, they're just always warriors going into battle. Yeah. But you don't see the, the, you never see them coming back and doing breath work and yoga. Cause that's just, <laughs> you just don't no. see that in a movie, but reality is that would be the balance that would be the opposite it would be the yin and the yang they, you know whatever you'd want to call it of the opposite of that that's amazing to me that you know right and that goes for you know we're just using um combat athletes as an example but this is this is completely um this goes for everybody. It's like this applies to, yeah. to yeah, the general population too. So mm-hmm. we have to be mindful of our daily stressors and we have to have our own tactics and um tools and modalities to combat those stress stressors so we can downregulate our nervous system. Which takes us back to uh, morning routine, one of our podcasts. <laughs> yeah. We saw- yeah, and when I say, like, I was affected by PTSD, like, I, I experienced it really, um, like, in a... Basically, I was just... I spent years in that, that stressed-out state you know, like every, like going blind, losing your leg, um, not knowing what the future held, uh, not having a career, not, you know, being completely physically Dang. just like wiped out. I can't even the imagine. The chronic stress that I was under, like my nervous system was in a like constant state. Wow, I didn't even think of that. Sure. A fight or flight, you know, and then two years later, I started 
developing general anxiety disorder and I started having like real bad gut issues and that led to panic attacks. And like, you're talking to someone, you're talking about someone that like, I've never like, dude, pressure, like bring me under pressure. Like I'm, I love pressure. Like I played baseball and I was a, a pitcher. I was a closer. Like, and so when you call me in, you know, and the bases were loaded with no outs, the winning run was on third base. Like that's the stuff I get off on. Like, I love that. And, and even in action sports, like, yeah. you know, taking that risk, but I, uh, but being in that state, you know, a chronic state and, um, constantly I started suffering with, you know, a lot of the, the, the symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder you know then i'd hear these operators or or combat veterans you know talk and share their experiences i'm like man it's like it doesn't matter what environment you're in it's just if you're in a state of you know constant stress chronic stress and then you add you know traumas on top of that or experience traumas or see traumas like it's just crazy how the you know the nervous system can affect your overall health which really brings us back to me full circle as to where you're sitting right now. <laughs> I mean, you know, you could just see how this all developed and grew out of all these experiences that you had, you know, and we've had. And it's that's an, it, it's man. It's passion. Thing, man. It's it's n equals one. It was <laughs> I figured a lot of shit out on my own. I was like. <laughs> I wasn't satisfied with the answers I was getting from a lot of the, you know, standard medical, uh, whatever, like yeah. you know, doctors in that world. No, and, and not enough. I started, started looking elsewhere, but yeah, it's uh, come full circle. Like it's, it's passion, man. I've, I've got myself to a really healthy place and I've learned a lot throughout the years and, transitioning from student to coach is a cool thing. Um, and just sharing a lot of this knowledge. That's, that's the goal. That's the goal of mountain wellness to share, you know, share these experiences and, and have the ad- educational aspect to it. But, you know, it's amazing. It's, it takes conviction. That's the thing. And I hope I can get some people fired up because I feel like unless, you know, a lot of times it takes, uh, a, a traumatic event or a big, you know, life changing event or a health scare to shift people in the right direction with their health. Mm-hmm. But just don't let it be too late. Like I, you know, don't let it be that start making steps now to, um, get yourself healthy. Cause you don't know what's going to be thrown at you. That's the thing. If you, if you, uh, Oh man, you don't know until you're, you're in it. Yeah. And then exactly. You, if you're yep. prepared, it's like COVID. Yep. It's like, you know, doing, having a good diet, eating whole foods, doing breath work, doing high intensity exercise, being, getting out in nature, getting natural sunlight. These are all things that, you know, God forbid you end up do getting COVID or a virus or a sickness. Like your immune system is damn strong. Yeah. They're going to, it's going to go to battle, man. It's ready. Yep. Yep. I want a strong, that stupid COVID thing hits me. I want my, <laughs> I want my chest, you know, my lungs and my everything to just be at its totally. best. Don't, don't be that individual that's, you know, in the hospital bed or, you know, 
you get hit with something and you're like, all right, it's time to make a change. Like it's time to, I got to now do it now, like do it before you, you encounter something like that. Yeah. It's funny. Cause it's all in our podcast, like all of it. Yeah, for I, sure. It's all there, man. Yeah. Well, dude, I think this was a nice little, uh, uh, update episode. I'm pretty stoked to be at the new spot. The uh, new location. Yeah, it's just, it's amazing. I can't wait to see how it comes together. Yeah, so we got, uh, we got some, I'm working on some things. We're going to have uh, a launch sort of brand launch party, grand opening in probably February. Cool. And I'm talking to a friend of mine. He's trying to get me connected to some North Face and Black Diamond athletes. Um, some ice climbers out of Bozeman. Yeah. There's a there's a big ice climbing scene in Bozeman. So, uh, yeah, we're hoping to get maybe uh, an athlete out here to share some of his stuff and maybe, you know, just get some influencers, get some athletes into the den and have a little party and show the the locals what we created here. We but I'm to- hoping to get you out oh, for man. that, Mike. I want to be there, and I want to build an ice wall out front of your place so people can cl- <laughs> climb on it out there. That'd be sick. That'd be so sick. <laughs> That'd be sick. If it gets cold enough, just take your yeah. hose out there and spray it on the wall. <laughs> Dude, that's how your ray is uh, up in Colorado, an ice climbing spot. I think they have like sprinkler drips or some type of water system. Do they? I, I was just going to say, they must. Yeah. there's probably some man-made ice places, huh? For sure. Wow. Awesome. Sweet. Good episode, brother. Good catching up. Um, you got any uh, any announcements or anything you want to plug? Oh no, man! I just I just think that it's like you said. If we can, it's better to do some preparation before something yeah. hard hits. And I think that's a very valuable lesson in life, man. That I need to. Yeah. It's a good. It's a good one, dude. I think you've done. Like I've seen your journey too. It's. I think you've been you've been right there on my coattail from the start, and I think it's cool because you you watched and it got to witness a lot of those transformational moments in my journey. Yeah, and I think that inspired you to make a lot of changes yourself. So it's true. Good on good on you for that. Yeah, no, I feel more ready to and prepared for things like a COVID event or something like that than I would have otherwise. I would be scared right now, to be honest with you. Yeah, no doubt. And my big thing is, hey, we want to be enjoying the mountains and all the sports we love to do with, uh, with our, our kids and our family and our friends for, you know, as long as we possibly can. That's, that's my goal. And yeah, everything we put out, it's, that's what we hope you guys get. Longevity. So longevity. Sweet. Well, thank you all for tuning in. Thanks for the reviews. Thanks for the five star ratings. Keep yeah. them coming. It really helps us uh get seen um more and more people get to learn about mountain wellness. Please tell a friend. Uh if you guys, you know, know anybody that likes health and wellness, especially uh likes the mountains. Just go ahead and hit that share button, send them a text message and say, hey, check out this podcast. It's really cool. I'm enjoying it. I think you might enjoy it. That goes a long way. 
Uh, if you're interested in learning more about Mountain Wellness, you can check out our website. That's mountainwellness.life. Uh, we're currently working on a new one, so be patient with us. I know we don't have any podcast stuff up there, but as you all probably know, websites are a, a constant ongoing thing. So <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. Anyways, um, we're, we'll get that squared away and uh, check us out on the socials. You can find us on Instagram at Mountain Wellness 406, our YouTube page, Mountain Wellness. Uh, I always, oh, Mountain Stories, Mike's Instagram. He's got some good content. And yeah, check out our YouTube channel. There's a lot of videos that we talked about today. And then um, I mentioned um, my old YouTube channel, Ride with Core. You can find some of the uh, old content, the cringy, the cringy video that we did of CrossFit Los Angeles. I can mm-hmm. wish I could remember the title of that one, Mike. I think you were just called cringeworthy. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, good, good. Uh, yeah, lay man. another one down, dude. Good being in touch. Sweet. All right. You guys all have a good week and we'll catch you on the next episode. Yeah. See you on the mountain. Sweet. Later. Later.